So I have to let you guys know first off. So next week for Easter, after the service, instead of having our gathering in here, instead of having a, a love feast as, as we enjoy a meal together, we're going to take that to the park. And taking it to the park, we get to go outside. And going outside, because we're living stones, that means we get to bring out the paria. We get to have carne asada. And I told you guys many times, I was trained by the finest chefs in Mexico. When I prepare my carne, and there's the finest chef in Mexico right back here, okay? All right, he, he showed up this week to give me a reminder to, to, to uh, review what I need to do when I marinate that meat next week, but uh, I will marinate it and I will make him proud and you guys will enjoy it. All right, I promise. Um, so, but my mis suegros are here this weekend, so I have to uh, acknowledge them and mi, uh, mi suegra, who is my, my biggest fan, my number one online fan who listens to me every week, who calls me on Monday morning if I haven't put the sermon up. She wants to know where it's at so she can listen. So this week our web traffic will dwindle, it'll go down as she doesn't uh, go online. But let me just pray for us as we start and as we come before God's Word. God, thank you so much. Lord, as Brittany prayed uh, for who you are. Oh God, and as we look at your Word today and as we consider who you are, Jesus, and what you've done, Father Lord, I pray that it would amaze us this morning. Lord, that we be moved by who you are and by what you've done, Father. God, let us not turn from it. Lord, let it not sound redundant. It's like something we've heard before. Oh God, but make it fresh in our hearts. Make it new, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you have spoken to us and that you have shown us who you are through your Son and through your word, Father. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, please be honored today. Be honored in this time together as we come before and as we submit to you and we submit to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a reminder, we're in the book of Colossians. We started two weeks ago. And remember that Paul is writing this letter to this church in Colossae. And it's this church that he had never actually been to. He didn't plant this church. Actually, we think that Epaphras, taking this letter to the church, he actually was the one that went back to Colossae and planted this church. And remember that Paul was addressing this. this is, there's a situation going on, and we think that the situation was is that they were going to be adding to Jesus. Right? That the church was starting to think they'd come to know Him. They'd come to know Christ. But yet they thought they needed something additional, something more. They were going to add to Jesus. And Paul writes this letter to explain to them, Jesus is all you need. And he talks about through it that Jesus is supreme and that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus is everything. You don't need to add to Jesus. And so he shares with them, he thanks God for them, how they've responded to this gospel message. And remember this message, this gospel, is about that Jesus has brought this new kingdom. Right? He's establishing this kingdom. Remember I said that the, the gospel was originally used in the Roman culture to describe Caesar and to say, this is the reign of Caesar, the gospel of Caesar. And that as Caesar comes, goodness comes, peace comes. And Paul says, that's limited. I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus. Okay? And when Jesus comes, His reign comes. And with Him comes freedom. With Him comes justice. With Him comes peace. And with Him comes salvation. That that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, he wanted the church in Colossae to understand this gospel of Jesus Christ. 
este evangelio de Cristo Jesús. And as we got last week, we went through verse 14. And as we got to verse 13, we talked about that he's delivered us from this domain of darkness. And that he's transferred us into this kingdom of his beloved son. And I think as I read through this, that as, as important as any verse is, this verse 13, Paul focuses on it. It's a main point. He's like, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this kingdom that you are a part of. And now this gospel kingdom that I'm telling you about, that Jesus is bringing, now you are a part of this. And it literally says that he transferred us. Right? We talked about that we were held hostage, that he went behind enemy lines. He didn't send someone else to do it, but God came himself and he went and came for us. And he went behind enemy lines and he put us on his back and he took us out. He carried us out. He transferred us from that kingdom, from that place into the kingdom of his son. And as he did that, he gave his life for us. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's transferred us from that place to the kingdom of his son. And so Paul is not introducing them to Jesus. Right? This is not a, a, a letter where he's reaching out to unbelievers. He's writing to the church. They knew Jesus, but yet he's like, I want to explain to you the completeness of his kingdom. I want to explain to you how big he is, how supreme he is, how sufficient he is. He wanted them to fully understand this king that they served. So he moves from talking about this kingdom. He's like, now I want to tell you about the king. I want to tell you about the king that we're pronouncing, the king that this gospel is about. I want to tell you about Jesus. You've been transferred from this kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of the sun. Let me tell you about the sun. And so that's what we're going to look at today in verse 15 through 20. It's all about Jesus. He's like, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to describe Jesus to you. I want you to understand who the king is. And so I want to read that. First in English, then in Spanish, with that in mind, you just guys listen to as it describes Jesus as we consider this king. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of His cross. So King Jesus is supreme. Right? That can be summarized just in, the, in those few words. That Jesus is supreme. That He is King. But I know as I think through this, I've never had a King. I, I'm so far removed in my mind and my experience from a kingdom. It makes no sense to me. And in this world that we have in this you know, modern uh, democratic society where we elect a president and then we get to complain about the president and critique the president and blame the president and everything that's happening is His fault. Like, I, I don't understand what it means to have a King. And so, because I love you guys, and because I have four kids, we're going to watch a brief clip to help us think about what it means, all right, to have a king. And so, this helps takes it, take it to a different level. I want you to watch these animals. I want you to watch the king. I want you to see how they respond to the king and how they think about the king. Everything is focused on the king. All right. A king requires complete admiration. Complete loyalty, complete submission. 
You saw the animals, and I, I, I clipped out everything else about how the animals are coming towards the king. They're all moving towards the king so they can see the king. And then when the king's lifted up, what they start to praise this king. And then when the king, uh, the light shines on him, and they realize who he is, they all bow down to the king. Right? That's so far removed from what we think of. But that's who Jesus is. Everything in his kingdom should be oriented to him. His power, his might, his resources. Everything should bow down to King Jesus. Everything should proclaim King Jesus. Everything should say hell to King Jesus. Long live this King. But that's so far from our vocabulary, so far from our thinking that He would be the center of everything. But that's what Paul wants to communicate here. But I know when you focus on something, at least when I focus on something and I'm thinking about it, my entire life, if, I'm, if it's important to me, starts to revolve around it. starts to revolve around this thing or this person that I'm thinking through. And I start to know this person. Or I start to know this subject in intimate detail. And when you do that, somehow your thoughts always return back to this person or this thing. And you'll talk about that person or thing to anybody that will, con- that will listen to you, anybody that knows about them. You want to tell them all the more knowledge that you have about this person or thing. And the only time that I've ever been in that situation that I can remember that that's what I wanted to talk about no matter what else was going on was when I first met my wife. I remember calling home. I was in Denver. I was away from home. We were in the inner city. I meet this Mexican girl. And she was way too young. We were way too young. Right. But I remember, after getting to know her, I, I recognized her, I, I noticed her right off, immediately. And I remember sitting in the kitchen where the guys were staying in this house that we were living in, in the inner city in Denver. And I remember calling my mom, and I remember telling my mom, 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 I met a girl. I'm like, she's, she's Mexican. <laughs> I said, Mom, I met a girl and she's Mexican. Mom, Mom, she's amazing. Mom, do you understand? Like, she's, she's so passionate and she's beautiful. And I, and, and I can just talk to her. I feel like I can share things with her. And, like, it's amazing to watch her minister and to watch her work with these kids. And I start to tell her all these things. It's like, she's amazing. My like, Mom, did I tell you that she's amazing? And I remember that conversation. I remember standing in the kitchen. I remember my mom laughing at me. But I just kept telling my mom more and more about Nita. But then as we started to date, we, we were there together for eight weeks with 26 other people. And then I left and went back to Georgia, and she left and went back to Texas. And so through the time that we were dating long distance, I thought about her a lot. I thought about her attributes. And so this is a, a frame that I made for her. All right? And you guys can't see it, but all the ladies, if you could see this, you'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. Right? But I... <laughs> I have, I have not done anything like this since we've been married, okay? But I went through, I remember in my dorm room, I remember clipping out, going through magazine after magazine, finding all of these words that would describe her. It says, she's going to be upset that I'm using all these words. All inspiring, because she's going to have to translate them or interpret them right now. The coolest. Absolutely stunning. Breathtaking. Sweetheart. Priceless. The real thing. Honey. Unparalleled. You can do no wrong. Special. Exclusive personality. Soul soothing. Unforgettable. Loving. You guys get it? Look at all these words. This describes my wife. 
So what I want you guys to do is I want you to stop where you're at. And I want you to think about the person or the thing that you have felt that way about, that your life has focused about, whether it be a person, whether it be a friend, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your kids, whether it be your job, whether it be what you're studying, whether it be this car that you wanted when you were growing up and a teenager, whatever it was, I want you to think through that. And if you've got pen and paper, I want you to write down some descriptors. Write down words. Write down words to describe that person or that thing. I'm not kidding. Go ahead. Write them down. I'm going to give you guys a minute. If you don't have paper, think about it. Write down as many words as you can to describe that person or that thing. Trent, you better be thinking about Bonnie. All right, you guys have a few? All right, let me show you. This is a list that Paul gives us in this passage about Jesus. And I want us to compare even this list. I want us to compare your list to this list that Paul gives us as he describes Jesus and he talks about Jesus' attributes. He says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. All things were created by Him. All things were created through Him. All things were created for Him. He is before all things. In Him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is preeminent. In Him, all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. He has reconciled all things to himself. And he has made peace by the blood of the cross. So that's a list about Jesus. And I wanted you guys to make your own list to see how that pales in comparison. I've got an amazing frame here with a lot of descriptors about my amazing, beautiful, brilliant wife. But she pales in comparison to Jesus Christ. Anything else that we can compare to Him just doesn't compare. And I want us to see that. I want us to realize that as we read this, that nothing else compares to Jesus. He is magnificent. He is supreme. He is sufficient for everything that we need. We need nothing else outside of Jesus. And that's what Paul is communicating to this church in Colossae. He is saying Jesus is supreme. And because He's supreme, we're going to look at three things. All things start from Him. All things continue in Him. And all things are restored through Him. So realizing because of that Jesus is supreme, all things start in Him, all things continue in Him, 
and then all things are restored through him. Alright, so first, all things start from him. In this section, in verse 15 through 16, we realize that Paul is describing these divine attributes, these godly attributes. He starts off in the 15a and he says, He is the image of the invisible God. He literally means He is the exact imprint of God Himself. He is God. It literally means the word behind that means of a king that would come and he would, when he would send a communication, he would pour the wax over it to seal this communication and he would take his ring that was a one-of-a-kind ring that had his emblem and his mark and he would imprint his ring on the wax. And so when someone received this, they knew that this was under the complete authority of the king. The king had sent this himself. And when he had sent that, his authority came with it. And so basically what it's saying is this Jesus, he is God. This Jesus, he has the full authority of God because he is God. And he comes to represent me. And if you've seen him, then you've seen me. And then he begins to talk about his works of divinity, his works of godliness. So not only is he, is he God, but He's done these things that can only be done of God. And He says in the second part of verse 15, He says He's the firstborn of all creation. It goes on in verse 16, it says, For by Him all things were created. So the entire scope of creation came through, came because of, came from Jesus Christ. And then he starts to list those things in verse 16. He says, both the heavens and the earth, what's invisible, what's visible, the thrones, the rulers, the dominions, the authorities. He's describing both the spiritual realms and the physical realms, the spiritual and the material. He's saying Jesus created all of these things. He is God and He is before all these things. And all these things came through Him. Whether spiritual or physical, whether secular, whether sacred, Jesus was the start of all these things. They originated from Him. And then it says, He is... Or sorry, in the end of 16 it says, All things were created for, or through Him, and then also for Him. So not only do they exist because of Him, but it says they exist for Him. They exist to glorify Jesus. Everything that He created exists to glorify Him, exists to exalt Him. And then in verse 17 it says, He is before all things. And Paul is just giving us a point of reference here. He's saying Jesus is before everything. He's outside of. He is before creation. He was above creation. He was over creation. He's distinct from creation. He's completely separate from it. And so everything, everything, everything in creation has a responsibility to live in reference to this Creator God. This Jesus. If you are a part of the creation, then you have the responsibility to live in reference to Him. He should be at the center of our lives. And we can see, if we look back at creation, if we look at Adam and Eve, there they were in the garden, and we see how quickly they turned from this reference to God. They turned from His authority. God had just created them. They were fresh. They were new. And there they were together in the garden. It was very good. And yet God gave them instruction. He had this authority. He had created them. They, they should live in reference to Him. But what? They turned and they referenced, they turned away from Him. And it's easy to see with Adam and Eve. It's easy to see in that situation how quickly they turned from God. They turned from considering Him or referencing Him. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that in our own lives. That we don't reference Him in every situation, in every aspect. 
I know something that Nita and I experienced as we got married young and then we started to have kids young. We didn't really think much about Jesus when we had kids or when we got married. I mean, I wanted to make sure she was the right one. I was excited about being married. I wanted to have this life together. And then we thought, well, the next thing is to have kids. And we just sort of moved through that process without giving any reference to Christ, without giving any reference to the gospel, not thinking through that, not processing through that. And I know even as we have sat down with some of you, it's so encouraging to me as you consider having families, you consider adoption or fostering, you're considering these things. You're like, well, let's give reference to Jesus. Let's, let's think through this. Let's consider this, every aspect, in reference to Jesus. Because that's what He wants. He wants to be in every part. Because He has created us. And if He's created us, then we owe that to Him. We should be in complete reference to Him. We should acknowledge Him in every area because He has authority over us. But we've eliminated Him in so many areas. In so many ways. I go throughout my day and give Him limited consideration. I can go all day and forget about Him. I can go all day and not give Him reference. Not reference back to, oh my gosh, this is, this is God who has created me. I can live with this responsibility to Him. And so we need to consider how does the Gospel, how does Jesus, how does it come to bear in every aspect of our life? We need to go through situations and say, how does the Gospel bear on this? Let me give reference to Jesus in this situation. Let me give reference to Jesus in the use of my time. Let me give reference to Jesus with my money. Let me give reference to Jesus with my relationships, with my resources. Let me give reference to Jesus when I'm parenting. Let me give reference to Jesus when I'm in my marriage, where, where I live, my job, how I work at my job. Let me give reference to Him. Let me give reference to Him when I respond to people who offend me. Let me give reference to Him when I care for others. In every situation, we should consider this Creator God, Jesus, that has made us, and that is our responsibility. He wants us to reference Him. He wants to be a part of everything. He is over everything. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds exhausting. It sounds exhausting to have to consider Jesus in every part of my life, in every aspect of my life. But I would tell you that Jesus, the ways in which He is over us, the ways in which He has that power, that authority, are endless. Our thoughts, our consideration of Him should be endless as well. It should just be a part of what we do, a part of our continual reference to Him in everything that we are, in everything that we do. That's His place. And so not only did He create all things, and He's before all things, but He also continues to care for all things. He holds all things together. Again, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about this King. We're understanding this King and this kingdom that we're a part. And so, as this King Jesus has created all things, He also holds all things together. He cares for all things. That we owe our actual continuance, our, that we continue on, that we take the next breath. We owe that to Jesus. He is holding that together. And we have literally been entrusted to His care. Outside of Him, if He wasn't involved, we would slowly start to break apart we would slowly part to move towards destruction in every way. Our world would break down materially, spiritually, personally, relationally. Everything would break down if Jesus didn't continue to hold us together, if He didn't continue to care for us. He made us and He continues to care for us. And you can see that with Adam and Eve as they again moved outside of God's authority. They moved outside of referencing God and what happened? 
We see that they felt this shame, that they were, they were, their relationship with God was broken vertically. Their relationship internally was broken. Their relationship with each other was broken. Their relationship with the creation was broken. Everything because they had turned from referencing God to referencing their own desires, referencing their own authority. And when they did that, everything broke down. There's no neutral in our reference to Christ. Right? We're either referencing Him, moving towards Him, or we're either backing away from Him. Okay? We don't float around. We don't stay in the same place. We're either moving towards Jesus or we're backing away from Him. And I have, as you guys have come to me, different people, it's weird as, as a pastor and you hear these details about people's lives and you hear about the things that are broken, the things that are breaking down. And more times than not, as I listen to the stories, as I listen to what's going on, as I think about my own life and discipleship, as we walk with each other and we hear about what's happening, we should be asking, well, are you moving towards Jesus or are you moving away from Jesus? That's the first thing we should consider. Have you been in the Word? Have you been in prayer? Have you been spending time with Him? Has you been with His body? Or have you been isolated, referencing only yourself, not referencing Him, not referencing the body? But you've been in your own place, under your own authority. Because we need to ask as things start to break down, like, are we referencing Jesus? Are we giving Him consideration? Are we moving towards Him? Because those things might be signs that we're moving away. If we move towards Jesus, we move towards restoration. If we move away from Jesus, we move towards destruction. And God doesn't want destruction for any of us. He desperately desires that we move towards restoration. He desires so much that He came and that He sent His Son to reconcile us, to make us right. All things are restored through Him. So just as He's created all things, as all things continue in Him, He's also now is restoring all things. And we see that as we look in verse 18. So he was first talking about this deity of Christ, this godliness of Christ, and now he moves and he talks about the humanity of Christ. And in verse 19 he says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The God himself, Jesus, that he came and he lived amongst us. We turned our reference from him. We started to move away from him. And yet he moved towards us. And he came in the fullness of God. And I think in this passage, it's important for us to understand, he didn't start over. Right? This was his creation that he was continuing, that he was holding together. And he comes to restore it. He doesn't start over and start a new creation, a new human. Like what he had created, this human it was good. It was very good. It was, the blueprint was right. It wasn't messed up. God didn't need to start over and create a new human, right? He comes back to us and He says, I want to restore you. That we don't need recreating. We needed rescuing. We needed restoring. We needed reconciling that He would make that relationship with Him right again. As we turned away, He turns us back to Him and He reconciles that relationship. He transforms us. He transforms our hearts. That they can be realigned with Him. That they can be in relationship with Him. In relationship with each other. In relationship even internally with ourselves. And then in relationship with the creation. He doesn't start over. He transforms us. 
And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing here. You can see in verse 18, it says he's the head of the body. So it moved from this, the God is completely in human form. Jesus came in human form. He was completely human, 100% human, 100% God. He was this 200% person, right? It blows our minds, but he was fully God and fully human. And he came to do this so he could restore us. And now he starts this work. It says in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. The rest of verse 18, it says, just as he was in creation and here in this restoration project, he's also the beginning. He's the head of the church. He's the beginning, the same as he was in creation, just as everything in creation has this responsibility to reference him. Now as his church, as his children, as his family, as those who have been restored, this relationship is made right. We have every responsibility, again, to live in reference to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, everything that we are, every aspect of our life should be focused back on Him, considering Him. It goes on in verse 18 to say, He is the firstborn from the dead. Again, this idea of firstborn, He has all rights, He has all privileges. He can sovereignly rule over the church. He can sovereignly rule over those he's restored, those he's renewing. He has the right to do that. He's the firstborn among the dead. He actually came and he went to the cross and he died and he resurrected. What he is doing in us, he has done. He has full authority. And then it says, so that in all things he could be preeminent. In all things. All things. All things. You guys see that word? Those words over and over and over again. In all things. He's preeminent in everything. And again, just like it was about the creation, this again is a point of reference. He's outside of, he's above, he's distinct, he's different, he's transcendent. We have every responsibility to this God that came in human form. Just as we have responsibility to this God, Jesus, that created us, we have the responsibility to this God who came in human form. And then in verse 20, he's reconciled all things to himself. As you look at that in verse 20, he did that through his own power. Right? He didn't use someone else. He didn't need someone else. But it says that through him to reconcile all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. He came. He died. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. He ransomed us. He transferred us from that kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of light. Jesus did that. He didn't need anyone else to do that. It was through His work on the cross. As you look at Philippians 2, verse 6-8, it's another description of Jesus. Again, I'm just going to keep telling you guys about Jesus, okay? That's what this passage does. It just describes Him over and over and over again. In Philippians 2, 6-8 says, it's talking about Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
So just as He had created all things in heaven and on earth, invisible, visible, now this work that He's done on the cross, it's reconciling all things, whether on heaven, whether on earth, whether visible, whether invisible. This entire creation that He made, He is reconciling, He is making that right. He's restoring that creation. And I want us just to understand the expanse of what Jesus, of who Jesus is and what He's done. Like we need to stop and think about that. We need to consider how supreme He is, how sufficient He is, how amazing He is, how magnificent He is. That He deserves all of these attributes, all of these qualities, all of our thoughts, all of our reference in every aspect of our life. He created all things. He continues all things. And He's restoring all things. Do we get that? Do we get that that's what Jesus has done? That's what He's doing. And that we're a part of that. He's called us in and we get to participate. We get to be in that kingdom. To me, that's amazing. But we tend to compartmentalize. Not all things, but some things. Not all things, but a few things that I feel comfortable with. I'll let Jesus rule in that. I'll give Jesus reference in that. And the things that are most comfortable to me, the things that make the most sense to me. And so I tend to separate the sacred from the secular. Okay, these are the things I do and I give reference to God and I read His Word and I pray and I come to church and I sing and I, I give reference to God in those things, but I step outside of that and I go to work or I parent my kids or I love my wife or whatever the case may be. Whatever else I do, I tend to separate that. And I don't give Jesus reference in that, but yet He created that. And yet He is continuing that and He's reconciling that. Why would I not give Him reference in everything? Why do we pick and choose? Why do we separate out? Why do we want to compartmentalize? It makes no sense if we understand who Jesus is and that He is the God that created all this and He's the God that's restoring all this. Everything, visible, invisible. Everything, all things. I had to repeat this to myself over and over because it's not the way I think. It's not what I just naturally believe. But this is what Scripture tells us about Jesus and we need to believe it and we need to respond to it. But we compartmentalize. And my best illustration for compartmentalizing, it's about marriage, but Nita said I could use it. <laughs> Makes sense. But my favorite thing is when people are talking about their marriages and, oh, you know, and they just don't understand each other. And I say, you know, it's really simple. This, was a, this, this, this wisdom of nugget that was shared with me, and it's made so much sense as I interpret my wife and live with my wife and love my wife. And it's this, that women, or let's start with men. Men are like waffles. Men are like waffles. And women, they're like spaghetti. Yes, men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. And what I mean by that is this is, this is men. We're like waffles. And a waffle has all these compartments, right? And unlike pancakes even, you can take your syrup, and especially if you use thick syrup, like me since I'm from the south, and you can put the syrup in this compartment or that compartment, over here, right? And the syrup doesn't run. It doesn't, it doesn't move unless you overfill it, right? But it doesn't move and it doesn't cover and saturate the whole waffle. And you can get part that's saturated and the part that's not. And you can mix it and you can match it and you can choose where the syrup goes. But women, all right, we, they are like, okay, and this is the, I should have got a bread pen, but this is the sauce on top. I'm going to put some meatballs, okay? The women are like spaghetti. All right? When you boil those noodles, 
and you take them out and you plop them in the plate and all these noodles are intertwined together and connected and so if you go in and you try and take, and I've tried to do this, you try and talk about just one thing, one piece, one compartment, what I'm thinking about, and you try and pull that out and what happens? That noodle gets all saucy, it touches every other noodle that's in the bowl, it, it, it interrupts all these other things, it brings up all these other issues and you just want to talk about this one noodle but now it's hit and it's touched and we're talking about everything. So some of you experienced that. It's not that men were slow, we're just focused on one thing. But this is what we do. This is what we do with Christ. This is what I do with Christ. There are certain areas in my life where I want Christ. I'll allow Him to exist here. I'll allow Him to exist here. I'll allow Him to exist here. And I hope that He doesn't spread and I hope that He doesn't move into other areas of my life. This is where I'm comfortable. This is how I like it. All right? These areas, these are for me. This is for me. And I'm going to keep that for me. And that's what we do in our lives. When Jesus says, I want to be in everything. I want to be connected to everything. I want to, be, I want to come to bear on everything. And you understand when you get to the bottom of the spaghetti, every noodle has sauce all over. It's all messy. Okay? That's what life with Jesus looks like. Okay? It's going to mess you up. It will mess up your life if it starts to impact and touch everything in your life. I promise you that will happen. But it is good. All right? It is good. A big bowl of spaghetti is good. You want the sauce on every bite, right? You want it to be all mixed together. That's what Jesus wants for our lives. All right? He doesn't want to be compartmentalized. He doesn't want to be separated out. He wants to touch and be a part of and impact and be connected to everything because He created every part of it. He created it all. And He is holding it together and He wants to restore it. He wants to spread throughout our lives. So what areas are you compartmentalizing? Think through your day. Think through your week. Think through your relationships. What relationships do you bring Jesus to bear? And what relationships do you sort of set Him to the side? We've got to process through that. We've got to think. We've got to realize how we're compartmentalizing Him. Because if He is a supreme and a sufficient God, He wants to be referenced in every way, in every place. And He will reconcile everything, every relationship. When Jesus described this kingdom, when He described this kingdom that would come, right? He talked about, it was like a woman who took this leaven and she put it into three measures of flour. Right? And, and it slowly spread, and it slowly spread, and it slowly spread to it was throughout, through the whole batch was leavened. But that's what the kingdom is like. That's what the gospel is like. As we were reading in the first part of chapter 1, right, this gospel that they had received, that it should be maturing in them, it should be growing in them, and it should be bearing fruit. It should be bearing fruit in every area of our life. It should be growing and maturing in every area of our life. It should be moving through everything that we are. Because that's our king. That's who Jesus is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't create part of us. He doesn't hold together part of us. And He's not reconciling part of us. He wants every part of your life. He wants every part of us as a church. He wants every part of this neighborhood. That's what Jesus wants. He is King and He has authority over that. And we need to think and we need to believe and we need to act that way. We need to respond that way. He is everything. He is supreme. He is everything. We need nothing, nothing else. He's completely sufficient. So my prayer is that I 
that we that we would live in reference to him with all things that we would move towards him in all things and that he would reconcile us in all things everything so let me read again before we pray because I think it's worth reading again this passage I want us to think about Jesus again I want us to think about this description of him and then we'll pray and as we pray let's just thank God let's thank God that he has made us a part of this that he has come for us that he rescued us that he's transferred us that we get to be a part of this kingdom because of the work that he did on the cross And so let's pray that God would give us that point of reference, that we would see everything through Him, that we would relate everything to Him, that we would give Him that place. So when I'm through reading, Trent's going to pray. And please then, everyone, uh, invite you to pray with us as we pray together. And as always, please pray. You can pray in English or Spanish, whatever your heart language. And Nidia will interpret for you, but just raise your hand. I'll come to you, hand you the mic, and then we can pray together and we can thank God that we can cry out to God together to our King. So let me read again verse 15 through 20. Instead of saying He, I'm going to say Jesus. Instead of saying Him, I'm going to say Jesus. Okay? It's different to, to read it that way. The He, the Him, it loses its impact. I want us to think about who this is that it's talking about. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body of the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to Jesus all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. Jesus is our King. Let's go to Him and let's pray. Let's cry out to Him now.